He's already been dead and it's messed with his head. It's John's post-life crisis. Welcome to John's post-life crisis. I am John Johnston, founder of CornNation.com, your Nebraska Cornicaster's site of way too much optimism about the future. It's a mental health issue. I, the optimism part. Wow, what a crappy... Should we try that again? It's your show, man. <laughs> you know, consonants are really hard. <laughs> All right. Good God. All right. Three, two, one. Welcome to John's Post-Life Crisis. I am John Johnston, founder of CornNation.com, your Nebraska Cornhusker site of much anticipation about the year 2021. <laughs> I'm joined by Ramsey Nezrella, the executive editor of the Ohio State Buckeyes site, 11 Warriors. And we're going to be talking about this uh, upcoming national title game between his Buckeyes and the evil Alabama Crimson Tide. That's kind of redundant, isn't it? Yeah, a couple of Death Stars smashing into each other. I don't don't think (laughs) good guys or bad guys here. It's just all bad guys. (laughs) (laughs) No, that that was one of my last questions, actually. I I did prepare questions this time. And one of my last questions is, uh, what what do you – what do you say to all those fans who now have hated, like me, honestly, you know, full disclosure, have hated Ohio State their entire lives, and now they're kind of forced, you know, no guns to the head, but really kind of forced at their college football fans to root for the Buckeyes over Alabama. I mean, that's that's part of what makes sports so appealing. You're not uh, – your integrity isn't compromised. Your professionalism, you're not going to be judged because you ha- you chose the lesser of two evils in, in a sports game. Um, the way that the playoff shook out, you're choosing between Notre Dame, Clemson, <laughs> Alabama, or Ohio State. I think I, I can see why people hate the playoff. <laughs> if, you, yeah. if, you're not, if you're not tied to one of those programs, like that sucks. You there, there's no there are no Chanticleers in, in that foursome. There's there's no you know darling like you can choose to to to, to pull for. Like if, if TCU ever got in or something, that might be fun. But I think it's less that it's repetitive and more that it's. Uh, You've got a couple of empires uh, with Alabama and Ohio State. You've got Notre Dame, which is the, the most popular college football program and simultaneously the most hated one that, that transcends both of our times on, on this rock. And then Clemson, which just uh, they've, <laughs> they, have, they have coaches on FBI wiretaps talking about how, how the football team keeps it so clean when they're, when they're bringing recruits on the campus. They're – PEDs, the New Spring Church, it's like, and, and nothing's going to happen to them because nobody cares about Clemson. So, yeah, it, it's, it's hard to have a rooting interest. I didn't choose where I was from. I, I'm from Columbus, Ohio. Pretty easy to, to root for Ohio State. It sounds like you're apologizing. Um, no, I, I try to have some introspection and some self-awareness about what this must be like. Uh, when you get too um, into a tribe, you, you tend to lose sight of how you appear to people who aren't in the tribe. And um, I mean, I haven't, I haven't lived in Ohio for, for a while now. So you get a, a good sense of what, of how you're perceived. And I mean, I think every underbelly of every college football fan base 
looks pretty much the same. They just have various sizes. They wear different colors, but otherwise it's the same, it's the same person. <laughs> well, way back when I was a young man and Nebraska actually won championships, Emmett Smith made the comment, everyone loves a new champion. And yep. I remembered that at the time, because when we first won our first championship, everybody was like, oh, my God, Nebraska, this is wonderful. They, but Tom Osborne, he's waited all these years, and, you know, it's finally over the hump. And then it was, you know, we kept winning, and it was like, we really hate you guys. And I remember that Emmett Smith's quote, because I don't think anything applied more than that, really, to how people perceive champions in sports. Yeah, that, speaking of Ebbett Smith, before the last time Ohio State played Alabama, he had a tweet that said, uh, there are two really good running backs in this game, and they both play for Alabama. And, and they showed it to Zeke Elliott, who ended up having like 220 yards in that game. And I don't think it's – Ohio State had won the national title 12 years earlier, but I don't know what the how the math works. What's the appropriate amount of time to, to be um, – without a title before you're okay outside of like rivalry circles with, with them winning a title again. My memories of Nebraska were watching them get to usually Florida in, in January and then having them lose to a Florida team in the yeah. most heartbreaking way possible. So it was, um, I think it was cathartic for a lot of people. I mean, as a Gen X guy, seeing Nebraska play literal Florida, and then play the, the most if – you, if you were to drop the caricature of Nebraska football, that's what they did that day, and Florida couldn't stop it. And like, oh, that, that's finally – it finally kind of panned out that way. Um, and th- I, I can't quite put my finger on when Nebraska got evil, and they weren't in the Big Ten then, so it was kind of one of those those foreigner programs in the, in the Big Eight. And it was the Big 12 with 90, 96, so it was right around the transition time. Um, right. But by the time – Nebraska's current head coach was the was the head coach. There was nothing darling about them. <laughs> the the kick ball uh, play against Missouri, I think in in ninety seven, being like, I I would have been so enamored by that ten years earlier. Like, oh man, look how Nebraska beat Missouri. And then I think they 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 sustained the fifth down with Colorado, and then having that happen after Nebraska won a couple of titles, I'm like, of course, Nebraska is going to get away with a kicked <laughs> reception sometime. It, in was, between Darling it was divine football. intervention. It was as, as a football enthusiast, man, that was awesome to watch, but I'm like, could could happen to, it should have happened to the other team. Okay. I was, I was going to save the Ohio state, like fan base, the bias questions till last, but since we've started, the Big Ten changed its rules so that Ohio State could get into the the conference, the you know the Big Ten championship game, and then they changed the rules again to allow what was it that they were supposed to be out for twenty one days, but they changed it to seventeen days, so so right. multiple Ohio State players could play against Clemson. There are a lot of people that were upset with this a lot of people that are okay with it from an ohio state guy what do you what do you think about the big 10 change in the rules just for you um and i'll try to be the introspective guy who's not you know leading with the team he roots for like oh of course you know it was it made total sense you know the the big 10 mishandled i don't think anyone watching or listening to this is going to disagree with it 
just mishandled it from the jump. So they spent six months sort of doing this, waiting for like, hopefully COVID goes away. And then August rolls around and like, okay, we're going to get rid of conference, uh, non-conference games. Okay. New schedule. Five days later, they cancel that schedule. They cancel the whole season. Uh, and if the, the New York Times published a, a long form uh, piece that had Kevin, if you didn't like Kevin Warren, the commissioner of the Big Ten, before you read it, you hate him now because you can see how he was just sort of like, what do you mean? I, this job doesn't doesn't just inf- involve me showing up at games and handing trophies out. I, I actually have to do stuff. And you, you, you get some respect for um, the ADs and some of the medical personnel like Northwestern, Gene Smith at Ohio State. The, the people who've been around for a while and are accustomed to crisis management, how they handled it behind the scenes. Um, I know this isn't what you asked, but when the Big Ten reduced the schedule to just conference games, which makes sense, everyone did that, and then canceled it five days later and then brought it back a little over a month later, they did so with this patchwork rules that were based on information they had at the time. And their information was, uh, it was they, they aired on the side of conservatism 21 no one no one's doing 21 day <laughs> quarantine but the the big 10 is a research consortium which nebraska people like that that's what you signed up for uh the myocarditis research uh group that's where the 21 day thing comes from it's following these athletes who had a positive covid diagnosis and turning it into some sort of publishable grantable you know, piece of work um that, that's a hasty rule. It was a hasty schedule. And then when Ohio State, Ohio State could have played in every game that it that it had on its schedule. They withdrew from the Illinois game despite having the numbers because they wanted to preserve the opportunity to play for Michigan, to play to play Michigan. Um, they didn't want to lose. They, they ended with the two the two Michigan teams. By the way, I'm I'm comfortable saying the word Michigan. My shocks. <laughs> um. So they've always had the numbers to play. They've had COVID outbreaks because every team has other than Northwestern, which different show. I'm not sure how I feel about that. Um, it was no fault of theirs that they, they missed three games. By the way, I think I'm looking forward to um, hearing about how Ohio State was fresher than every other team in, in, in the playoff because they would have been all tired out playing Illinois, Maryland, and, and this year's <laughs> Michigan Wolverines. Uh, they they did change the rules, but those weren't those weren't like hundred year old rules. They they weren't even hundred day old rules. They were stupid rules. Um, but but, they, but they, you you killed Indiana. You hurt Indiana. <laughs> I, I have an IU degree. Um, I I went to I've attended two Big Ten schools. That's the other one. Um, the the Hoosiers had a magical season. They were also losing that game thirty five to seven when Ohio State just kind of went into all right, let's get out of here mode. And they ended up having to escape, which is you can't do that against a team as, as good as Indiana with Michael Penix was this year. Uh, I, I get the angst from and I hear it because I have tons of IU friends. Uh, I think one of the things I've learned, having attached my emotions to really good Ohio State teams who ultimately lost to Michigan around the time Nebraska was winning titles, is that what you say during the the fog of war and I I regret saying the military metaphors for football, but during the right. middle of the season, you're like, man, this team is awesome. They're being disrespected. And then you look back at how you felt in October of a normal season in January, like look at some of the Indiana takes towards the end of the season. They're like, they should be playing for the title, man. They, they couldn't beat 
they couldn't win the Outback Bowl or whatever that was. Like, I get that they had a backup quarterback, but I also root for a team that won a national title with a third string guy. Um, it's a different level when when you're playing for those sort of stakes. And I think part of what hurt Indiana was that it's kind of new to football success. This is the second year in a row they've not had a, a losing record. I've, I've I covered the last IU bowl game they won. I was a, I was a student at the time for and I wrote for the IDS. They if they had the cachet where they were a competitor every every year, I don't know if the Big Ten would have changed the rules. They did that because the Big Ten is it's a consortium, self-preservation. Their best, most right. worthy program at the current you know the current time is the dynasty, the one that's won four. Uh, Big Ten titles in a row. And I think that uh, the Sugar Bowl sort of made all of that quiet down. They're like, wow, they just destroyed Clemson. That game was barely competitive. Um, looks like they actually did the right thing accidentally uh, by by bending their, <laughs> their very pliable rules to get Ohio State eligible for that game. I, I, I wept for Clemson. <laughs> I did not. <laughs> Oh, I wept tears. Just, oh, Dabo. Oh, my God, that guy. Anyway, they're not in the national title game, and your team is. And let's move on to that stuff. So I, when you look at the, the list of play, players in this game, I mean, you've got Justin Fields and Mac Jones as quarterbacks. You've got Trey Sermon and Najee Harris as running backs. Chris Olave and Devontae Smith as the – primary wide receivers that's a whole crap load of star power I, I i'd almost say that that's more star power than you're probably even going to see in a super bowl i it, it's what do you on, on the ohio state side what are you going to do with alabama's offense i mean most most teams will go into a game and they'll say things like, we're going to force them to be one-dimensional and we're going to force them to pass to win and we're going to force them to run to win. There's no dealing with this thing in one dimension, really, is there? No. You have to be comfortable with getting scored on and the goal should be to slow them down and put them in position to make mistakes. Uh, there's you know, we, we talked about how Ohio State and Alabama are evil empire programs. There's nothing really dastardly or, or, or hateable about this Alabama team. I had people tell me that about the Ohio State team in 2014. Like, how do you hate Cardale Jones? How, how do you hate, like, amateur Zeke Elliott? Mike Thomas was fun. Um, Joey Bosa, shrug, like, uh, celebration. They, they were a fun team, objectively. And I, I have friends who went to Michigan, who or Michigan fans, but who also went there that are like, that was the least hateable Ohio State team in my lifetime. The current Alabama team, I don't know much about Mac Jones other than he was – he's hes very talented and he was in the Elite 11 with um, with um, Justin Fields and also Trevor Lawrence. If you look at the pictures of that year's 11, Elite 11, go, they, those guys are <laughs> 11 Elite quarterbacks. Um, they're just fun. Um, you cheer for Jalen Waddle, the fact that he could probably come back and play is, is neat. Maybe I'm getting soft in my old age just thinking about kids getting to play their – their dreams out uh, in, in college before they become uh, tax bracket casualties. Uh, you have to slow Alabama down on offense and defensively. I think uh, they, they might be slightly worse than Clemson. Uh, so the, the idea that anyone would take the under in this game, not that I'm dispensing gambling advice is, uh, is kind of interesting. I haven't, I don't know what the over under is, but I think it's going to be a made for television sort of pinball game 
where you've got just enormously talented offenses going up against defenses that I think could play with three quarters of the FBS, but not with each other. Right. So on the, on the defensive side, the athletic wrote an article that basically said Ohio state's defense is nowhere near as good as they've been in the past. And I think we all know that Alabama's defense is they can give up points. So on the defensive side, if you looked at uh, Ohio state, the one thing that I would think that you'd want to do is get pressure on Mac Jones because nobody does and nobody has, and nobody knows what he's going to do under pressure but you guys don't have a Chase Young, do you? You don't have a speed rusher. You don't have a guy that's just going to destroy people on his way to destroying a quarterback. Right. This is what uh, this happens with Ohio State reloading um, every three or four years by position group. Uh, we, we're two years removed from Ohio State's rush ends being Nick Bosa and Chase Young. Like they were on the same unit. Nick Bosa got hurt early in the season, but um, right. and then last year, obviously, you had Chase Young. Uh, you still have Jonathan Cooper, who's been there for for five years, but this is the year you don't have that guy that's an obvious, you know, early first round pick that's there. You do, what you do have is a lot of tenure, you have a lot of seniority, uh, and you have probably the best interior Ohio State defensive line that I've seen um, in a really long time, maybe maybe since 2014 when they had Michael Bennett at Adolphus Washington. Uh, so it's really hard to to gouge this defense in the middle. It's hard to run against them. Although Najee Harris, another person who's impossible to not like uh, is really talented, but the he way has that the I, wrong helmet on man. I mean, that's fine. You can like a player for any team. Once you get past that whole tribalism of everything about them is bad. It's, you know, you have to be able to, if, if you it might be an old age thing though. Right. John, like I just enjoy watching some of these guys play. Um, it's, it's, it's Rutgers Howard's, at the end of Blade Runner, <laughs> if you remember this, you know, the line, all these moments will be lost in like tears in the rain. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. They don't have the rush end. So the way that, and, and this is, there are two things that qualify here. One is that you have no idea who's going to play in this game because someone might have a contact trace for Ohio state. And True. will have to keep them out. Um, and the second thing is after watching the, the Clemson game, there was a lot of, uh, you know, I'm not left-handed either. Princess Bride stuff that I saw in the Sugar Bowl that I hadn't seen for the previous six games. Ohio State kind of knew that they could go vanilla both sides of the ball and win every game, including the Big Ten title game, which is kind of a flex because Northwestern's definitely a good team. Um, they What they did against Clemson from even how they got plays into the, the game to how they deployed formations and ran a lot of stuff out of different uh, sets didn't see that all year. I, I, I love watching all 22 stuff. I watched the all 22 Clemson game twice. I'm like, oh, hadn't seen that. Hadn't seen that. Hadn't seen that. You just don't know what they're going to be holding back for Alabama either, uh, especially since they need to basically return serve in this game. The team that scores the most points. So stupid. The team that scores the most is going to win, but it's going to be a high scoring game. So. Yeah, all 22. I My understanding is Scott Frost uh, guards his all 22 stuff like it's <laughs> – State secrets, but uh, impressive that you get that. Or is well, it? ESPN had it for the for, for the CFP games. ESPN had it. Can you can watch all twenty two in Spanish if you want to. Um, but for That's like you know true. Michigan State game, yeah. those are hard to come by. You have to know someone. <laughs> okay, where were we? We're on Alabama defense offense. 
man, I had questions here. <laughs> um, you watched you, you watched Notre Dame, Alabama. I did. They, Notre Dame obviously tried to slow the game down, tried to run the clock. Do you see anything like that from Ohio State, or you just you think this is going to be a track meet overall? I think it's going to be a track meet. Um, I felt like Notre Dame wasn't trying to win the game. I felt like they were trying to cover the spread. Uh, they they were showing no urgency at all with what they were doing when they were down by by several scores. And uh, I, I don't know if they were just like we're going to stick to the plan and try to you know to, to shorten the game. But you get to a point where you got to change the plan late in the game when you need to score a few times if you're trying to win. I just watched. They had a drive that was like nine minutes long in the second half. I'm like, you need to score again. And Alabama's going to score when they get the ball. Bama just finally was like, all right, we'll play this game too. And then it ended up being a, a really deceptive score um, for, for how competitive the game was. I think uh, if you look at Ryan Day, so he's coached, uh, I don't know what his record is now. He's in the low 20s and he's lost one game, which we won't talk about last year's Clemson game. I don't think it was a, a bad plan um, that cost him. He... Uh, from a schematic standpoint, I'm excited to see what he what he thinks he can pull off against Alabama. At least that's offensively. Defensively, I don't know how much input he has into the game plan, but those guys aren't neophytes coming up with something. He's basically going to say, this is what we need you to do on defense to put us in position to win the game offensively and holistically for Ohio State. They don't have the guys that can match up with Alabama's offense, not just because nobody does, but because Ohio State this year doesn't doesn't have um, they, they're sort of depleted outside of COVID, even if there was no no virus right now. Um, but I do imagine they're going to try to. There was a sequence in the Sugar Bowl where Alabama or where uh, Clemson went. Um, they went three and out, three and out, four and out, and in between those drives, Ohio State went touchdown, 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 touchdown. They got they scored on four straight. Well. Clemson barely had the ball. Um, I don't think that's going to happen with with Alabama. If you can hold them to a, a couple of first downs, maybe get a drop in there, uh, hurry hurry a couple of Mac Jones throws, you get to see Alabama's punter, who, by the way, is awesome because, of course, Alabama has an awesome punter. Um, but I think that's they're going to be working towards that. Don't get you know upset about a score or, or sell, having them settle for a field goal, which I, I don't think is going to happen. Get them to third and questionable, uh, where they where you know they're not setting up for a fourth down, going for it, and you know play to that, play to the the, the micro uh, elements of the game, and get the ball back, and then they're not going to pull any Notre Dame stuff, or they're trying to elongate the game. Ohio State likes to score quickly; they like to uh, make you quit, which is a Saban thing too. Just beat them up and make them quit. Um, I don't think either of these teams are going to quit. I know that Ohio State hasn't. Even when they lose, they never they never quit. One of the most uh, satisfying things is to watch when other teams do. They're like, yeah, they, they don't get out of there. <laughs> they're, they're done. <laughs> this isn't worth it. This isn't worth the scholarship money or the stipend. They're just done playing today. Uh, that won't happen on Monday night. So Sean Wade versus uh, Devontae Smith. It's not a good match. It isn't? <laughs> Sean Wade's a nickel anyway. He's been out of position all, all year. Um, he didn't suddenly forget how to play football. He, he just – he was – just enormously effective and, and a wonderful player uh, in the right position. I think that this year might drop him from a draft standpoint, but he he picked up experience. I mean, if you work in a really large corporation and you come in through marketing or through sales and they're like, you need to spend a little bit of time in supply chain, a little bit of time in administration, 
and you might hate it and you might not be great at it, but you get that bit of it. It makes you a, a better candidate, uh, you know, going to the NFL, which he'll be doing here after this next game. They, they, they have a book on him. They know where to put him and he's smart enough about what he's not going to be playing to be a better, more effective contributor. And I mean, I'm not, I'm not his financial advisor, but his second contract will be better than his first. All right, Trey Sermon, everybody saw Trey Sermon and what he could do against an offense. Master Teague didn't play against Clemson, correct? He had a concussion, yeah. Okay, and then we had you had third-string guy, I'm missing his first name, Williams. Ryan Williams. Did those guys on the ground, I mean, Trey Sermon and Najee Harris, compare those two. Uh, Najee Harris is the best running back in football. And okay. Trey Sermon uh, has been the best running back Ohio State has had uh, since Zeke Elliott for the last two games. <laughs> don't don't go back and read anything I wrote about Trey Sermon in the preseason because based on what I had seen, which everyone else had also seen, and I don't know how Oklahoma handled him, but clearly Ohio State's handling him better right now. I compared him to, uh, to Lydell Ross, but he falls forward. And for Ohio State fans listening to this, that's a guy who you're like, oh, great speed. He's going to be awesome. And then you're like, okay, a, a slight gust of wind knocked him down. <laughs> and early in the season, you would see that with, with Trey Sermon. You're like, oh, man, he looks like he could totally play the part. Uh, something happened. Um, and I know Ohio State has just got devastating, awesome blocking concepts. Their tight ends are the most underrated uh, element, most underrated unit on that team. Is Just watch on running plays with the tight ends, especially when they're in 12 and 13 personnel, what they do. They're like the, 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 the capstone on the hole that creates the 20 yard run. Um, he has figured that out. And if you want to get some insight into the neurosis of the Ohio state football fan, I am currently now, um, I got some anxiety about them playing on grass in Florida because a lot of what kept JK Dobbins from running for 300 yards against Clemson last year is I kept, he kept falling down. He kept slipping on grass and I don't know why it was wet in Arizona, but it was, uh, the jump cuts, everything that those those runners do, everything that you saw Trey Sermon doing in Indianapolis and saw him doing in Louisiana, I'm just waiting for him to slip and fall down in Florida because I'm thinking about wet grass in Miami. Um, the, he started, he got into a rhythm. He started figuring out when to be patient and when to not be patient. Uh, and, and he's just gotten really good. Najee Harris, you didn't have to wait very long for him to be really good. And he is, uh, he's an alien. He's supernatural. And that's not surprising everyone. I think the biggest difference is that Trey Sermon is. I'm going to change this a little bit on you. People are, I think people outside the Big Ten and, and a lot of people in general are looking at the Big Ten title game and Northwestern. And they kind of look at, I mean, we all look at Northwestern and go, nerds. But they had an exceptional defense this year. They had an exceptional defense that did two things really well, kept people out of the end zone and got turnovers. And do you think Ohio State is kind of, you know, because of their play against Northwestern and because of that game and the Northwestern, the nerds not getting any credit, they, there's an influence there that Ohio State doesn't have a chance in this game just because of nerds. <laughs> I know that's a weird kind of perspective, but it's it's, uh, it's an interesting dynamic. I don't think people think Ohio State doesn't have a chance in the game, um, I th especially Alabama. And I know none of those guys were there the last time they played, but 
I understand diminishing a team's chances when they have a third string quarterback starting a second game ever going into a playoff game. One of the things, and I talked about this a lot last year, like Joe Burrow, like Joe Burrow came out of nowhere. Joe Burrow was two years removed from his college degree when he won the Heisman. When the longer players stay in, in college, the more they look like adults playing with children. And part of the reason that Ohio State's defensive line is so good this year is because those guys have been in school forever. <laughs> There's not a lot of young up-and-comers. Their uh, highest ceiling up-and-comer is Zach Harrison. He was on the COVID protocol and didn't play in the Sugar Bowl. He's a sophomore. All those other guys have been there for a while. Uh, Jonathan Cooper's been there for a while. The, the units that are mature are the ones that end up shining unless you have you know, otherworldly talent like Chase Young and Nick Bosa as juniors doing what they did. The you know, Najee Harris has both. He's supremely talented and he's been, he's grad, he already graduated from, from college. Trey Sermon also, he's a grad transfer. Joe Burrow arrived in Louisiana as, as an Ohio State graduate. The, the idea that everyone, you know, if there's something I disagreed with, with, with John Cooper, if they're going to bark, if a dog's going to bark, they'll do it as a pup. Yeah, that happens with the superstars, but there are guys that sort of fly under the radar and then become legends like Joe Burrow. We couldn't win right. out <laughs> at Ohio State. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Trey Sermon, it's just happening at the best possible opportunity, and I can't imagine he'll stay another year uh, because this is when you go. And uh, he has one last chance to be to get the Zeke Elliott you know, legendary finish. He rushed for over 200 yards against Wisconsin, Alabama, and Oregon to end the season. He went over 300 against Northwestern. Uh, he went over to, he was 193 against Clemson. Then he has Alabama coming up. When you talk about, and, and where you started, Northwestern's defense is all really smart old guys. Their linebackers have played together for four years. You don't, I can, I'm trying to think of an Ohio State linebacking unit that played together for four years. It's going to be when James Laurinaitis, Marcus Freeman is the defensive coordinator for Cincinnati now. Um, like the, the linebackers in the middle of the trestle era, you're like, Oh, they never turn over. It's the same guy every year. That's what Northwestern's linebackers were this year. And that allowed them to do a lot of stuff that, you know, held Ohio state to 22 <clears throat> that game. And also Justin Fields having the worst game of his life. So how do you see the, how do you see the game playing out? I mean, it's, you have to, it has to have consumed your thoughts over the last week or two, just. Yeah. I'm a big self-care guy, so I try not to think too hard about it. <laughs> um, the also, and, and you know this because you've lived through it. When, when your team has won a title, the first time that happens, you're like, I can be happy forever now because I live long enough <laughs> to, see, to see one of them. Um, like in 2002, I was in, or it was beginning of 2003. I was in Tempe. I was in this, in the, in Sun Devil Stadium. When Ohio State won, I, I fainted. Like it, my body just shut down. All my organs were like, we have to protect him. <laughs> um, and then having seen them get obliterated by Florida and LSU in, in subsequent BCS title games, you know, you're approaching this from the standpoint of, you know, we've been here before. It's a, it's a, it's a very fortunate and privileged position to be in to have a, a, a football team that gets to play at this level. Um, and then you look at what Alabama's done in title games recently, and they've lost, and they've been in shootouts, and they, they've been close games, even though every year Alabama is ferocious, which they are, but they've been there so often that I don't think they play with the same sort of anxiety and urgency that a team like Ohio State this year is. 
where they were going to have the season and they weren't going to have the season. And then now they're playing games with half the roster. Half the, I'm being you know, exaggerating, but like they're losing major dudes uh, that, that are playing in the head of these games. I don't think you have to, uh, to instill the urgency and, and the, uh, the pressure on this Ohio state team to play the best game of its life uh, against Alabama. So that isn't, that's not something that lingers there. Like with say the Ohio state's 20, 2015 team, the most talented team I've ever seen that just kind of piddled its way to a 12 and one record and missed the playoff. If you had taken the mindset of this year's Ohio state team and put it in the 2015 team, that team is not winning a game by less than four touchdowns against anyone that season, including Alabama. They were that good but they ended up you know, winning games by 10 points and then they lost at home to Michigan State. This year's Ohio State team, really talented offense, one of the best offensive lines, probably neck and neck with the 2014 team. Um, probably the worst defense they've had over, over the last decade because of attrition and you know, a lot of those guys are millionaires now. But I don't think they're going to quit and I think they're going to play harder than Alabama does. I just don't know if it's going to be enough. I think... Uh, they beat, there was a Clemson-Alabama title game that finished 45-40, which is really fun to watch. I see something like that happening. So you're looking, you're looking for mistakes from a team that really is robots, automatons. Right. Just that one glitch from Mac Jones. Guys that are used to just showing up and winning because they're better, and Alabama can do that. Um, and they can do that on Monday in a lot of spots but just definitely not all of them. I'll be interested to see how they handle receiving haymakers by a team that's not Ole Miss. <laughs> okay, now for something completely different. This was the butt of, the, of jokes throughout the Big Ten and, quite frankly, nationally uh, for my favorite team. But I want to give you the opportunity – do you want to thank Nebraska for bringing back Big Ten football? <laughs> I, uh, I would like to thank Nebraska for its efforts, its enthusiasm, and its misguided optimism for what the 2020 season would bring its own program because that energy is helpful. Um, I am still conflicted that they played football, which I'm sure is an unpopular position um we maybe we could find out that it was fine after the fact but at the time there's so many unknowns heading into the season um and still it's you know I, I work in infection prevention and seeing guys on the sideline half wearing masks not wearing masks fully wearing masks then taking them off and smashing faces together it's not really how <laughs> communicable diseases work um so there's a, there's a lot of conflict there at the same time there's livelihood and there is the balance between uh mental health and physiological health and there's never going to be a, an elegant you're not going to thread the needle and do it perfectly and they tried to do that um what nebraska did was driven a lot by tradition by economic anxiety which is legitimate when you're shutting down the world for now going on a, almost a year and um, the open and shut cases, I think, are those are the two radical sides, like just play football as if nothing's wrong and shut everything down. You, you find something workable in between where you learn to live with it in a manner that's responsible. And I don't think the Big Ten did that. I think they went a little bit too far to 
what ended up becoming the butt of jokes. Right. 21 days. Like, that's not what the CDC is doing. <laughs> what are you doing? I get that you like research grants and, and want to put your name on something, but um, what Nebraska did helped guide the conversation more towards an equilibrium. And uh, I know that they were rewarded by opening against Ohio State. I think I might have nailed the score prediction when we talked last time. I think it was, oh, it's made like 52 17, something like that. Like, yeah, ish. That's <laughs> what I, right. entirely what I expected. Um, and Nebraska's contributions to the Big Ten, like, that's, it's a, it's a flagship blue blood program. It made sense to join. I know, it, I mean, in, in a world that you could keep static, it makes more sense in the Big Eight. It makes plenty of sense in the Big Ten. Um, I'm still not sure about Rutgers in, in Maryland. <laughs> <laughs> right uh and i i i say this coming from I, I live 20 minutes from rutgers campus i enjoy getting to go to big 10 games in my backyard i didn't expect that when i moved here um but yeah I, nebraska it, it's it's contributions to the big 10 as of right now being interesting bo Pelini was interesting just be interesting and also helping salvage the, the 2020 season i would say and sue but i think he was right before the jump Still, they have a good volleyball team. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I have a kid who plays volleyball. That's you know, she wants to go to Nebraska. Really? Yeah. We she, have a good wrestling. Know, she's gonna try to be good wrestling. Yeah. Okay. Is there anything else you want to say about this national title game before I end? I will add one more thing, just to respond to your Nebraska and the Big Ten thing. I think I might cover some of that this off season. Uh, I have heard rumblings that there's people that, you know, really actually want to start a movement to Nebraska to move back to the Big 12 because it's a better cultural fit. And I, I honestly, I think you bring up cultural fit when you're just not, we're not winning. Winning cures everything. Winning could cure cancer probably, you know, if you had strong enough emotions for it. Winning maybe, doesn't write the checks that the Big Ten Conference writes. And, and that's the is... That is a different neighborhood, um, not even in the same city. The scarlet and gray is burnt orange, and they don't win either. <laughs> uh, they, they have more money than just about everyone, ex, you know, excluding one, one school in the Big Ten. Uh, I, I don't think you're going anywhere because the people who are in charge of finances will be like, no, we'll, we'll stay. <laughs> I, I think on the academic side, I think it's been a boost in Nebraska. I think that you know, even if even if like Nebraska Lincoln UNL is different than UNMC, the medical center that's now become, you know, pretty much kind of world known for COVID virus research and or handling of the virus. Is exactly. that correct? Yeah. Well, I mean, I work in the space, so you've got you've got key opinion leaders that are in part of Nebraska medicine that are really well known in in healthcare. But people watching this will be like, "Who's Doctor Rupp?" Like, I, right, I know this. <laughs> right, right. And I, I think that it's a boost for our state. I don't think anybody anywhere is ever going to look at the University of Nebraska and say, we're nerds, we're academic powerhouses. But at the same time, I think being in the Big Ten does elevate that. And I do think that's important because when you look at the state of Nebraska, the University of Nebraska is our, for a lot of states, they go, we're our flagship university. For Nebraska, 
it's our university, you know, and that state and that university feeds that state with its brain power and its and its research grants, as you've brought up. It's it feeds the state uh, I the mental power to keep going and keep building and keep moving forward. So I think that's extremely important. I realize that, you know, our Big Ten debate team, speech and debate team or our Nebraska speech and debate team has won the Big Ten every year since we've joined. Wow, I didn't know that. Did you know that? No. Um, I, I will tell you also, when, when I applied and got into Ohio State in the early 90s, I just had to fill out an application. It was open enrollment. Right. I, I was an Ohio resident. They, they had to let me in. Uh, it is now, they now reject more people than they accept. It's hard to get in Ohio State as a valedictorian from Ohio. Right. So the idea that Nebraska wants to be like, yeah, we're Nebraska. We're, we're not going to elevate to, to that level of being a top 20 public institution. I, I never, if you asked me 15 years ago, would Ohio State ever be in that, held in that regard? I would have, I would have laughed at you. I'm like, Ohio State knows its role. It knows its place. Apparently it doesn't. And it wants to <laughs> compete with you know, the UVAs of the world. And, and, you know, it's always going to punch up to Michigan up, up until it believes it's no longer punching up. So, um, right. yeah, that, uh, that's not a big 10 thing because the big Ohio state's been in the big 10 for a hundred years, but the, I think football helps make part of that possible. It, uh, football brings in donations. That's part of the reason Nebraska needs to be Nebraska again, um, right. because it lifts all the other boats, including the debate team, which apparently doesn't need any lifting. Well, the, and the, you know, the problem with that is most people look at that, you know, if I made that statement, people are like, okay, what's that do for my ego? You know what I mean? That's what this is about. That's why we're talking right now is because my ego has been bruised and battered through this. And your ego has been probably, you know, you mentioned self-care. It's probably been fine. <laughs> the, the, the thing that keeps me from being a, a runaway egomaniac about my sports teams is that I, uh, I've, I also cheer for Cleveland teams, which means, <laughs> which means I'm a Browns fan, which means I've, I grew up cheering for the Indians. I drive up on a whim just to get free tickets and go see the Indians play. The Cavs have sucked for most of my life. They had the, you know, the a generational player and they won one title, but like that keeps you humble. If you only cheered for Ohio state football and you're under the age of 25, you're probably a dick. Like, <laughs> There's no talking, <laughs> but I happen to be a lot older than that. And I've cheered for a lot of awful teams, awful organizations led by awful people and still do. It, it, it keeps you like, you know, just be a good human, <laughs> be a good person. Okay. You know, with that, I'll bring up that it's uh, basketball season and I look forward to Nebraska basketball. Uh, I was going to call you names right now, but I think we'll just go. It's been a nice conversation. I Good luck to Ohio State. I think I told you privately that I've hated – I have hated Ohio State all my life. You know, it's the marijuana stickers on the helmet. <laughs> the stickers are great, man. I, I, if, if I didn't like Ohio State, I'd be like, you know what, at least they have cool helmet stickers. You know what else it is? It's Eddie George winning the Heisman over Tommy Fraser. You can blame Illinois for that. That's not uh, Eddie George's fault. He just happened to rush for 314 yards right when all the ballots were due. Right. And he also was over 100 yards every year during a, a time in which uh, – every game during a time in which Big Ten defenses actually prevented 100-yard rushers. So right. Tommy Frazier 
phenomenal. You know, sometimes it's about timing. All right. I think we'll be done. Thank you, Ramsey, for joining me. Uh, like I said, good luck. You know, I, I think I'd say this for a lot of people when I hope the Buckeyes beat the more larger Death Star. <laughs> you feel dirty. <laughs> Take care of yourself. Thanks for joining me. Thank you all for listening. Go Big Red and uh, happy 2021.